You're listening to sermons from Southbridge Fellowship in Raleigh, North Carolina. We pray that today's message helps you to connect to Jesus for life change. What is the next adventure in your relationship with others? Okay, it could be the person sitting to your left or to your right. It could be your neighbor that you haven't met yet. It could be the barista at the coffee shop. It could be someone broken down on the side of the road. I don't know. But God has a relational intention for our lives. How do I know that? It's because God is relational. When you hear Jesus pray to the Father, he says, you know what my prayer is? I and them, me and you, them in us. A lot of times I'll say, what pops into your mind when you think about God and you get all of these uh, biblical right answers? He's everywhere. He sees everything. He's loving. He's merciful. And people start going through all the attributes of God. He's infinite. He's powerful. He's gracious. He's forgiving. He's patient. And they're all right. All those answers are right. But I want you to know that you knowing Jesus primarily, it's relational. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him would never perish but have eternal life, have a relationship with God. That's why Jesus says, you know, my prayer is for them. I'm in them, right? You're in me and them in us. When you say yes to the person and work of Christ, you enter a relationship. That's called salvation, all right? But then the relationship goes forward, right? We say yes to Jesus, we cross the line, we get into a relationship, and it goes from salvation to transformation. Can you say those two words with me? Say salvation, salvation. and transformation. Right, because when you get into a relationship, now I'm starting to learn about you, I'm having conversations with you, I'm getting to know you, I'm learning what you like and what you dislike, what you're all about, and now I'm learning in this relationship how to get close to you. And God wants to take you, the relational God that we serve, wants to take you into the next adventure in your relationships. That's why when Jesus was asked, hey, what's the most important stuff, okay? Jesus comes onto the scene. They have the law and they have Moses and they have the Ten Commandments. And so, you know, it's kind of like driver's ed, ten and two. Jesus takes the Ten Commandments and he condenses them into two. Right? They know the law, but then Jesus says... You're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's this, right? And then you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. And wherever you are, whatever setting you're in, wherever your place, whatever geography you're in, whatever family network, social network, work network, LinkedIn network, Instagram network, Facebook network, whatever network you belong to, and you're connected with people, you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. This always changes this. That's God's intention. So as you do more of loving God with all, everybody say all. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. He changes you on the inside so that then you can do this better. And that's, that's life. That's what life is all about. So that's why we're going to talk about relationships. You know, I've been a pastor for 30 years in a couple of different churches. And so I've done a lot of weddings, I've done a lot of counseling, and I've done a lot of funerals. 
And before that, I'm a, a mental health professional, and I've done thousands of psychosocial evaluations. All that means is, is like, you're hurting now, why are you hurting? And listening. And there's, there, there's a pattern here. Usually, either when we're doing weddings or when we're counseling people or we're, we're kind of trying to learn why, what's the source of their hurt now, nine times out of 10, it boils down to a relationship. Some kind of relationship, some kind of formational, relational trauma or tear or fracture or something's going on, or I'm not doing my relationships well. And here's the headline that I've learned over 30 years of pastoring and mental health. If we're not doing relationships right, we're not doing life right. In the end, nobody's wondering how much money you had in your portfolio or how, what kind of car you drove or you know, what vacations you took or all the things that we put so much energy into. In the end, what matters and what is talked about is that person's connection to the eternal and their connection to people. And that determines wealth in a real sense. They're rich in God and they're rich in relationship. And they did the hard work to win healthy relationships with God and with people. But how many of you would agree that relationships can get messy? Okay, so let's have a cup of honesty here at Southbridge Church. You are good and bad. The person sitting to your left or right is good and bad. Marriages are, families are, churches are, Pastors are, thank you. But you know what? We idealize these relationships. We think, you know, I mean, I remember being a young married guy and saying to myself, quite mistakenly, if only she were a little bit more like me, things would be going pretty good around here. <laughs> that didn't work out very well for me. But I grew. I realized that I was the person that had to change. I was the person that had to grow to make relationships work, right? But it's so easy to go like that, right? It's so easy to put the blame on the other person. So relationships are a risk. You don't know really who another person is until they're under a little pressure, right? Like, you know, like the, the honeymoon dating phase is like, it's so funny. It's like you rump into people and it's like Buddy the Elf. I'm in love, I'm in love, and I want the whole world to know, you know? <laughs> You know, and then, and then all of a sudden, you know, real life happens, and, uh, and then you see what's really on the inside come out, right? You don't know anybody until they're really under some heat and some intensity and some pressure, right? It's like squeezing a tube of toothpaste, right? The insides come out, right? But pressure's good because now you can see the real person, but now sometimes the pressure can, can get someone to change, in a way that no pressure does, right? So God, there's even a purpose for the pressure, right? So relationships are a risk, relationships are work, relationship with God is effort. I didn't say you earn God's love, I just say you put effort into the relationship, amen? There's a difference. Grace is not earned, but grace has no problem with effort because when we respond to God's grace, it makes us wanna put in the effort for the relationship, amen? because of how much God loves us. 
So when we enter into a relationship, we take a risk. On your notes, if you're taking notes, there's a definition of risk. It's the possibility that something bad or unpleasant will happen as opposed to what is hoped for happening. So anytime you're in relationship with anybody, you're taking a risk because they may not reciprocate what you put into it, right? But there's some wonder, there's the possibility of that. So you say yes. It's true when you say yes to Jesus. You don't know all the ramifications or what he's going to ask you to do. In fact, Jesus, when he was first connecting and he was saying the kingdom of God is near and he was kind of, uh, people started to follow him, uh, they would say, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he would say, come and see. And then you'd be in relationship with Jesus for a little while. And then, you know, he would start saying some truth because God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Amen. And he wants you to grow. He wants you to be mature. He'll start telling you things about you. Okay, that he wants to change in you. And that's when things start, people start falling off, just like in, we experience today. John chapter six, he asked a group of guys like, so are you leaving too? If you remember, Peter said, Lord, where else can we go? Only you have words of life. Like you're the one who can tell me how to be a human. I want you to be my rabbi. I want to I follow you. I want to learn a way to be, a way to believe, and a way to behave that grows my relationship with God. So I got to stick with you. But you see, love is a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's, it's, it's velvet, and that's grace, but it's also the steel of truth because God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. So it's a risk to get into relationship with God. And what I want you to hear, and what is the first verse on our notes, is that God took a tremendous risk to have a relationship with you. In John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus says, greater love has no one than this. Let's finish it together. To lay down one's life for one's friends. That was a risk. And he was projecting what he was going to do to show you how much he loves you personally so that you could do the one thing that shows love back for what he did for you, which is to believe in him and to trust him. In the Bible, it talks about how when you enter a relationship with the man, Jesus, he teaches you how to love other people. It says, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Let's finish it together. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. When I do marriages, that's my core scripture. I say, Joe, Jane, God has given us the secret sauce on how to love one another for a lifetime. Joe, be God's man and have an intimate relation with with Jesus, and Jesus will show you how to love, unconditionally, sacrificially, and selflessly. That is how Jane deserves to be loved. Jane, I'm going to say the same thing to you. Have a relationship with Jesus. Have a close, intimate relationship with Jesus. Jesus will show you how to love, and you will love Joe the way he deserves to be loved, unconditionally, sacrificially, and selfishly. Beloved, let us love one another love is from God. 
and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. That's the next adventure. You see, when you risk loving the way God loves you, it shows value. It shows value, right? There's an old song by Foreigner, shows you kind of when I was in high school. But maybe some of you guys remember it. I would climb any mountain. I would sail across the stormy sea. If that's what it takes me, baby, to show how much you mean to me. Now, it was biblical before it was a rock hit in the 80s. But level of sacrifice communicates value. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I'm gonna get on a boat, I'm gonna climb a mountain, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to, I'm gonna sacrifice to communicate love because sacrifice communicates. So the level of risk that we take in relationships communicates a level of value. And a person on the receiving end of your risk says, wow, that person really loves me. In fact, that's why we love Jesus so much we see him go to the cross, and when we celebrate communion, we kind of take a long, hard look at what he did, and we go, he did that for me? He would he'd do that for me? And it hits us right in the heart. Like, like, just, it touches me. My kids say, Dad, we see you cry like a couple of times, like when you're having communion and when you pray. That's when I tear up a lot, consistent but it's because I'm looking at the level of risk Jesus took to have a relationship with me, and I'm going, he assigns that level of value to me? That's when the whole game changes, when you get that, right? So, if that's what God models for us, then that's the kind of risk and intentionality and sacrifice that's required to make great relationships work. A great relationship with God, God showing us how to love, then shows us how to have great relationships with others. So let's look at the Bible. Let's see what the four risks that we can take, simple risks that we can take, to go on the next adventure in your relationships. And this is important because it's important to God, but it's also important for you experiencing God's purpose in your life. The quality of your life reflects the quality of your relationships. And God wants you to have amazing relationships. Now, like we said before, relationships can get messy. People are good and bad. You're going to have to take a risk. But man, the risk is worth it. Amen? All right. The other side of great relationships with others involves the risk, write this down, the risk of knowing, parentheses, and being truly known. In a relationship with God, God just wants honesty. He wants you to be honest with him, and he wants you to be honest with yourself, right? Look at what it says in 1 John. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Can I just share something with you? An altogether Christian is a biblical oxymoron. There's no such thing. Because Jesus died for sinners. It's an archery term when you hear the word sin, amartia. And so if I was an archer and I was aiming at the target and I let the arrow go and it missed the bullseye, a guy would be standing there in the first century and go like that. 
Amartya, I missed the mark. Everybody's imperfect. Amen? Okay, so now we're all on the same team, right? In a relationship with God, God just wants you to be honest about you. But you know what? In our culture, everybody's winning the battle of images and they're losing the battles of life because they can't be honest about who they really are and how they're really living and how they're really struggling. I've done conferences for the last 30 years. I've collected close to a half a million evaluations. The number one comment isn't Kenny's a good teacher. The number one comment is I didn't realize I wasn't alone. How about that? In other words, through the experience of being together as Christians, we realize that we don't have to win the battle of images and lose the battles of life. We can win the battles of life and drop the image if we can just be honest with ourselves and with God. That's what God wants. He wants honesty with him and with yourself. But there's a third rail of honesty and it's with others. Your relationships with people also require honesty, right? You ever said to somebody, yeah, but you weren't honest with me. Honesty dilutes what? Trust. I can, how can I trust you if you're not honest with me, right? But the sooner we learn how to be honest with, with ourselves and with God, and then we look at God's word and it says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. But you know what? We fear being known. Right? We've still got the fig leaf out. We're still running from truth, not wanting to take responsibility. And God's provided forgiveness and grace and acceptance for all of that, which is supposed to free us to be honest with God, honest with ourselves, and honest with another person. But we keep secrets. And if there's something you can't talk about, that thing that you can't talk about controls you. And it creates dishonesty in relationships, right? So if you want to go to the other side in your relationships, you have to risk knowing and being truly known. And oh, by the way, in our big celebratory moment that we're all sinners and imperfect, we can listen to someone be imperfect and not put shame and judgment and blame on them. They're just people, right? I mean, that's why Jesus, the great shepherd, would look on the multitudes, they're harassed and helpless. He said life would bowling ball us. In this world, you'll have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. Life is hard on earth. It's a broken planet with broken people, with lots of injustice and evil and loss, but God's with us. And it's not the end of the story like we sung during worship. So you have to take the risk of knowing and walking in the light. It's a great thing. It's a great freedom. And that's where I see real breakthrough in the lives of people is when they begin to get honest with themselves, honest with God, yes, and honest with other people in their lives. The second risk we have to take to go to the other side and have a great adventure in relationships is after the risk of knowing, it's, it's the risk of growing. You know, working in men's ministry for as long as I have, I've talked to a lot of women. And guys, I gotta tell you, it's not fun when you have a 25-year-old man whose character is 12 years old. It's not fun when a guy's 35 and has man-sized responsibilities and man-sized relationships and, and man-sized, you know, things that he's responsible for and he acts 13. 
It's confusing, right? But what we see is there's fear to be honest. There's fear to let people in. There's this pull yourself up by your bootstrap. There's this protective armor and secrets are kept and immaturity is, 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 is accelerated and there's no growth in, in the inner man, in the inner character. That's why the Bible says, you know, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I, I acted like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. That's what God's love does. It secures you so you don't have to live in fear of non-acceptance or non-performance or non-position or non-power or, and, it's, and you're okay, God makes you okay through his love on the inside and that makes you able now to stop competing and start connecting with people, amen? But in culture, we're trained to compete. So we gotta grow. Bible says this, that you're in a process of growth with God. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, everybody say in you, in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Last night we talked about, what's God's process with me once I begin a relationship with him? His process with us as followers is to make us like Christ. He wants you to have the family resemblance. So when you believe in him, he puts the spirit of his son, the Bible says, into your heart. What's the mission of the spirit of his son? To make you like Jesus in character, attitude, and belief. Okay, let's say those three words. Character, attitude, and belief. Yeah, that's maturity, right? That's how you see it kind of in your kids. If your parents, their character's changing, their attitude's changing about things, right? Their behavior's changing about things. They're growing up. They're actually growing inside as their outsides Grow. That's what every parent wants. That's what God wants. He wants you to grow into the character of the most mature, loving, emotionally congruent man ever to walk the planet, Jesus. He wants you to have the family resemblance. Now, what does it look like for us? In Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, it says this, sow righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Now, the prophet Hosea wasn't telling a bunch of agricultural men to go break up their unplowed fields. It's a metaphor for personal growth. I know that if I sat down and had coffee with you, I could identify some areas of your life that are doing pretty good. This is going good, that's going good. It's like fields that are producing, right? Then, because there's room for growth, is there room for growth in your life? Okay. So there's some other areas that are unplowed ground that you need to grow in, and that's okay. But somehow we think, oh, well, since all this other stuff is really going good, and I'm, this area, one area of my life isn't so great, that I can't talk about that one area of my life, which is unplowed and unproductive and not going great, because this is all going great. So we'll just post all this stuff on social media. The reality is social media is not reality. It's a, it's a sanitized, tidy, sometimes sanctified by religious people place where we post all the positive things to win the battle of images, but over here in the unplowed ground of life, we're losing the battle of life. You know what? God's more interested in that than he is in that. Man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. He's not interested in your image. He's interested in your character 
and if you're becoming like you. So you gotta risk knowing and being known. You gotta risk growing. Now, if you're gonna apply the risks of knowing and being known and growing, all right, you gotta risk being authentic and vulnerable. That's how you're made known. You're honest with others. If you wanna apply the risk of growing, you must risk changing for others' sake. Let's say it out loud. Changing for others' sake. That's right, that's how you grow in relationships. Jesus, to grow our relationship with him, he says stuff like, he who has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me and I will be loved by him. And my father will love him too and we will make ourselves at home with him. Right? You get to know me, you get to know my priorities, you start changing your priorities for my priorities, that shows me love, that makes us come close. You're changing for this relationship. If that works this way, does it work this way? 1,000%. Personal change for the sake of a relationship is healthy. Doesn't mean you're, to use a psychological term, codependent. Okay. Doesn't mean that you're changing for the sake of, because of another person's unhealthy behaviors and then you're afraid of those and you don't wanna, you don't wanna make a reaction happen so you're changing, that's not what we're talking about. That's not a healthy relationship. That's when you become a disciple of another person's pathology versus a disciple of Christ. No, we're disciples of Christ. Our job is to grow in relationship with God and be transformed and live out that transformation in the context of relationships. What other people do with your transformation in Christ is up to them. But you change, you pursue this relationship, let that change you and you live it out this way and your faith and trust is in him. So the risk of knowing, the risk of growing, the third risk we take is the risk of supporting, parentheses, and being supported. Now in this relationship, Jesus defines it like this. I'm the vine and you're the, thank you. It's a relationship and picture of dependence. God says, I'm the potter, you're the, I'm the shepherd, you're the, I'm the teacher, you're the student. I'm the master, you're the servant. God always juxtaposes who he is to who we are. And what I love about some of these metaphors is that it's a picture of depends, the, bri- the, the branch must depend on the vine. Now listen to Romans chapter 12 and kind of make the connection in your relationship this way. For just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body. Let's finish it together and each member belongs to all the others. You know, that whole Lone Ranger thing, that works in culture, it doesn't work as a Christian. The body of Christ is there for you to turn to. We turn to God, we turn to the body of Christ. We turn to God, we turn to the body of Christ. He gave us a family. That's why God's our father, Jesus is our brother king. That's why we're called children of God. We're a family in the healthiest possible sense. And God wants us to relate to one another as family. Have any of you ever dropped everything to go help a family member? Okay, if you're a parent, you don't even have to raise your hand. We drop everything. Get on a plane, play, do whatever the cost, right? That's how God wants us to relate here. He wants your relationships to be like family. Well, there's your, there's your first circle, there's your family family, right? That's the person who wears this, and those are the kids that came about 
where you were fruitful and multiplied. Okay, that family should be working too. But also with the body of Christ, we have to be supportive of one another. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 21. It says this, I want us to read this together. It just talks about attitude of a follower of Jesus, ready? The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Now let's talk body parts. If I, if I took out a pair of shears and cut off my, my little pinky finger here and it fell to the ground, you'd be horrified and there would be a lot of blood. But more importantly, that finger is not doing this. Why? Because it's detached from the body. You cannot fulfill the purpose for which you were created if you have this attitude that I can be a Christian, but I can be totally disconnected from the body of Christ. Not going to happen. That's why, God, that's why God in his word says, we're a body of believers. We have to be connected. That, you know what I'm so excited about the future of Southbridge? It's because I know your leadership team has been given a vision by God, and it involves this right here. It involves the body, people serving together, being sent together, people connecting with each other, people being discipled together, becoming more like Jesus. But if you're going to apply the risk of supporting in your relationships, you're going to have to risk, write this down, depending on others. Now, I have a hard time with that. Anybody have a hard time depending on other people? My deal is that I'm a Navy brat, last of seven, five boys, two girls, which means if you're the last child like me, you are a human lab experiment. <laughs> okay? So, my dad was an alcoholic. He wasn't in the house a lot. He was a ghost. My mom was drowning in his alcoholism. And there was old number seven right there, trying to survive. So man, I could show up on the playground, I'd just figure out, okay, who's getting the attention? What's going on there? I'll just do it better than the next guy. I'll do it myself. In high school, I had three jobs and made more money than my dad because I couldn't depend on my dad. I had to do it myself. I taught myself how to study. Athletics, totally self-sufficient. Then I become a Christian. And now God calls me into this life where it's, you know what? You got a family now. I do. I don't know what that's like. Yep, you got a family, and you're gonna depend on them. Mm -mm, no, no, sir. I depend on me. Okay? But God begins to change my heart. I now begin to receive his love and acceptance. I get love and acceptance from other Christians. I realize that we're in the same boat. There is this communion and fellowship that we have together. And there's this understanding that what God says trumps how I feel. And I check my past and my opinions at the door of scripture. And I risk leaving the shore of self-sufficiency and I enter into relationships of healthy and humble dependency. That is the destination of healthy relationships. You need each other. You just don't need your family. You need the people sitting to your right and left in row, row three, row 15, row 25. We're a family, let's say it together. We're a family, okay? Southbridge family should act like one. Have you ever said to somebody, you know, I need your help. I was just watching a reel on Instagram uh, yesterday and it was this guy saying, 
hey, you know what? If, you, if you're not really great at relationships, and he's giving you all these anecdotal things, but he said one thing that really caught my attention. He said, ask another person for help. Everyone wants to feel needed. How about that? A whole world opens up to you when you in humility and faith trust God and say, hey, you know what? I need some help. Or can I get your advice on something? Or I'm not doing, I'm not, I'm not doing that great today. When you have the courage and humility to just say what's really happening and what you really need. You see, because the message that you send when you can't depend on anybody else is that other person is not needed in your life. And we want to feel needed. That's how God made us. We're, we need to depend on each other. We need to support each other, right? So we got to take the risk of knowing and growing and supporting and if you're, gonna, if you're gonna receive support, you gotta risk depending on others. Here's the last, the last place of risk. If you wanna leave the shore of unclose relationships and enter into the next adventure, you gotta take the risk of sacrificing. Now that's the greatest risk of all. Where you actually unilaterally give of yourself to a relationship without knowing if there will be reciprocity or if that sacrifice will be reciprocated. But that's the model. Jesus came to earth and went to the cross and sacrificed his life for you unilaterally. He did it all on his own. We sang about it in worship. I'm fighting a battle, but the battle's already been won. Jesus made that decision to go to the cross and he made it unilaterally. It means that you don't take any credit for saving yourself. You just receive that, what he did for you, right? And so when we talk about the language of sacrifice, we see Jesus' words in John 15, where he says, greater love has no one than this, let's read the last part together, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's relationships. Say this with me. This is Jesus. Okay, we're going to try that one more time. Turn up the volume. This is Jesus. Jesus is in me. This is me. Remember the process? When you become a Christian, God's spirit is placed inside of you and you become more like Jesus. If you become more like Jesus, you begin to sacrifice for relationships. You begin doing loving, sacrificial things, and how the person on the receiving end receives that or responds to that, that's their thing. Your character is being transformed by the Holy Spirit. Your attitudes are being transformed by the Spirit of God. Your behaviors are being transformed by the Spirit of God, and you now are a person who knows how to sacrificially love in relationships. And let me just tell you, sacrifice speaks. That's why we love Jesus. That's why when the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.15 that we should not live for ourselves, but for him, and then it says this, who died and rose again on our behalf. You can't live for God motivationless, but because Jesus did what he did, you look at that and you go, he did that for me? How can I respond? How can I let my life be a thank you for what he did for me? 
So if you want to go to the next level, if, if what Jesus models for us is meant for us, if this really does this, we got to sacrifice for relationships. The Apostle Paul, as he was relating to people and ministering to people, listen to the nature of his relationship with the Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8, he says this, because we loved you so much, let's finish it together, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives. You know, the world's waiting for a living gospel to go with the spoken gospel. Love is not a clanging symbol or a gong when you love like Jesus sacrificially in someone's life. Someone ever done that for you? I'll never forget. I played it in the turkey bowl. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's that football game where you put on cleats, you don't stretch, you go to the field across the street, and you tear muscles. And we were moving three days after the turkey bowl, and my wife said, be careful. I tore my Achilles. Do you know what it's like being a man watching your mother-in-law and wife pack and move things and you cannot do anything about it? So on the morning, we're actually supposed to move and all I hear is that, that clear tape thing going You know, and I'm like I can't do a thing. I hear and I'm standing in my garage having a pity party and I look to my right and it's my friend Darren with 14 guys and they have a big flatbed truck and they like worker ants came in and moved my whole house they unscrewed everything on every bed they plugged in every dishwasher sacrifice communicates it communicates to your spouse when you serve them. It communicates to your children when you serve them. It communicates to um, your neighbor when you just see they have a need and you meet it and you don't have to worry about, no, don't worry about it, pay me back, or whatever. It, it communicates because you give of yourself unilaterally without the expectation of reciprocity and they go, what is inside that person that would cause them to do something like that? And when they ask you, that's what Jesus did for me. You see how that makes a way? How sacrifice makes a way for a closer relationship, right? Sacrifice communicates. It does more than lip service or good intentions or repeated promises. You give up yourself for the benefit of a relationship. You change, you grow, you support, you let yourself be known. Can I get an amen, church? All right, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, this room is filled with relationships. Some are in a really good place and some are in a really lousy place. But what I'm so glad about is that good and lousy are in the same room. And you're the healer. You're the one who teaches us how to love individually so we can love others better. So God, instead of placing blame or pointing the finger. We just come before you as individuals who've been saved by grace, who've been loved courageously, sacrificially, and selflessly by you. 
and my blessing and prayer for this community of people here in the worship center and online is that we would love one another. For everyone who loves, knows God and loves God. Jesus, teach us how to love others the way you love us. And so fulfill the great commandment to love our neighbor as ourself. I pray that today would be the day when relationships change and people leave the shore of selfishness and stagnation and immaturity and move on to deep relationship with you. And as they get to know you, you teach them how to love and that others in their lives would then be loved in a qualitatively different way, maybe in a way they've never been loved. So love us out of our hurts, Jesus. Love us out of our fears. Love love us out of our pain and our unresolved issues. And let us feel safe with you that would give us a solid basis then for stepping out and risking this great adventure of loving people the way you love us. And God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to sermons from Southbridge Fellowship in Raleigh, North Carolina. If you have a question about the message you just heard, email us at info at sfchurch.com. For additional resources or service information, visit us at sfchurch.com.